Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to episode 100 of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. Um, It's been a pretty cool ride to get to this point. And I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm still just getting going with this, but uh, 100 episodes is quite a bit of content. I've talked to so many awesome people, had really intelligent people on the show um, and outside of the show too, just conversations and people that have reached out to me. Um, it's been It's been awesome. And you know, that's why I'm doing this show. Um, I, I don't make any money off of this. I actually pay uh, to make the podcast happen. Um, I, I never intended to make any money off the show. It is generally to give back to the industry and try to improve everyone that's, you know, seeking to improve themselves. But also, you know, I've been able to improve myself through this. I feel really lucky to be able to share time with the people that have come on this show and learn from them and talk to people outside. Even if you weren't on the podcast, but you reached out and talked to me about something, I've gained something from that too. So um, I really do feel lucky uh, that I'm able to do this and able to connect with everybody. Uh, So just want to give a big thank you to everyone that's been on the show, everyone that listens to the show. Uh, We're going to keep rolling with this and kind of see where it goes. Uh, You know, I don't have a grand master scheme for it, but um, (laughs) hopefully we'll hit episode 200 and 500 and 1,000, but uh, (laughs) we'll see where it goes. Anyways, uh, with that out of the way, today's episode, I've got three guests, uh, Scott Shotton, Matt Fonslow, and Matthew Scundrich. Should be familiar with all of them. They've all been on the show before. They're going to join me today to talk about training in the automotive industry. Um, So this would be training events that we go to. And of course, we'll talk about the virtual online training as well. And these guys have some really good perspective and points um, to discuss about training in the automotive industry. You know, we've kind of talked about some of this before, um, but uh, again, really good conversation uh, with some smart guys um, and a little bit of humor in there as well. So with that out of the way, let's jump in. We're live. Well, not live, but recording. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. See you tomorrow. <laughs> nice chat. Chatting. I really enjoyed it. You learned a lot. So uh, uh, welcome to episode 100 of the podcast that I didn't plan for at all. That's a landmark. Any of your episodes? I mean, I'm just asking. Just, <laughs> just barely. <laughs> uh, do the really do the five minute ones count? Yeah. No, I did not count. You just kind of get on there like, and you talk about. Those, I'd be at like 115 if I counted those, so I don't actually count those. Oh, all right. I didn't know if the flashing OBD1 codes counted as an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Chrysler, you cycle the key 12 times. I I had to explain to somebody today how to add a Ford remote in 
He's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I'm like, just cycle the key till you hear the door locks. When you hear the door locks, leave it on. How do I know the door locks? And I'm like, if you don't hear clunk, clunk, then you didn't go long enough. And then Yeah, usually I, three I, of them go clunk, clunk up here. The fourth one goes <laughs> <laughs> So then the guy sends me a video, and no lie, he's going on, off, on, off. <laughs> On, I'm like, no, 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 you gotta do it like eight times in five seconds. Watch, and I just stuck my key in my GM, and I was like, and then he goes, I can't stop that fast. It's like he has momentum. I don't think it works that way. I gotta think about this. I was like, try eight. If that doesn't work, go to ten. He called me an hour later. He's like, I finally programmed my key fobs. And I'm like, it's been an hour. That should have been a 12-second job, Max. How, how do you ever start a GM with the, where you got to, like, you got to do that, like, wiggle with the key to get it to all oh the tumblers to lock in? No, you get somebody like Scott, who's been around 100 years and has dealt with them for 20 years. And you go, here, can you turn this ignition on for me? Because I swear to you, you get some older guy, and he's like, watch. There you go, it's on, and I'm over there for 20 minutes. I'm throwing holy water on it. Come out, demons. Start. I'm, I'm going to pick on you fair. a little bit. I'm, I'm, an, I'm an older guy, but I have more hair than you. So yeah. This is true. It doesn't take Scott, that, though. Scott had gray hair when he turned 20. I mean, come on. Not quite. 23, 24. 23. It's not gray. It's silver. It's silver. Well, it's Steve Martin-esque. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. <laughs> That's funny. Wild and crazy guy. <laughs> With wild oh. and crazy guys. All right. I'm pretty bald, though. Check that out. Look at that. Oh, stop. You're blinding me. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's a good thing these aren't, like, video shared. They'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Audio only is the way to go. Much easier. Sean would be the only podcast on like OnlyFans.com that they'd pay him not to post. <laughs> My OnlyFans is just a black screen. <laughs> they pay me to keep it this way. <laughs> they play up. I had a picture up there. They paid me to take it down. Ooh. I was talking to Cody about that. Um because he does a YouTube channel. I was like, dude, audio only is the way to go. It's a hundred times easier to edit things as opposed to a video. He's like, yeah, it takes me days to edit a video. It's like, yeah, I could just sit here. I could be wearing no pants. Nobody knows any different. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. So we're good. <laughs> are, are you required optional. to wear pants for meetings? <laughs> uh... All right, so we're going to talk about training? Yeah, let's do that. I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but I, I have a feeling we'll have some thoughts. Well, yeah. Scott's probably been training longer than I've been in the industry. They're calling me old again, but anyway, like, go ahead. You mean training like presenting or training like attending training? Both. I, I, I went to a training event not long ago. We won't mention the name. But I could not understand how a group of shop owners who can dictate how to run a shop, how you should treat your customers, how you should treat your techs, 
how everything should be run top notch to get the best quality possible out of your shop can sit on a board host a training event and it be absolutely utter chaos no map of where to go no doors labeled projectors and screens basically unusable i mean it was like some of the classes i'm going why why even turn on the projector you can't read it you can hardly see it what's the point it's the logistics of it yeah and and it really just kind of aggravated me um doing so i have a very much a, a technical background i was a technical director at a church for like two years so i'm used to going and sitting in like huge advance you know millions of dollars in equipment and it all have to be organized the presenter tells you hey i'm gonna have a presentation here's roughly what i need and and the goal of that organization that's hosting that presenter meets the guy's needs right so if if like i was gonna hire scott Chotten to come down and teach and i said hey scott do you need a projector yes the next question out of my mouth would be is your presentation widescreen 16 by 9 or is it 4 by 3 and if you go well i don't know i would go can you send me some of your presentation so that i can figure out how to best meet your needs right because right and do you have hdmi or vga or yeah and you know, all the questions to make the logistics work yeah and i just don't understand how as an industry we expect to take this industry and take the next generation that is very much a tech savvy generation i mean they grew up with an iphone in their hand for crying out loud if you're 18 years old and go hey come join our industry it's got all this cool stuff oh by the way training sucks because you can't see anything you can't hear anything and, oh, if we give you a handout, it's in black and white and it's loose leaf. Like, a, really? I'm sorry, what, what's a handout? <laughs> well, <laughs> it just, it, it really irks me now. And, I mean, I've been to training events. Um, I went to Vision one year. Uh, I sat in your class, Scott. It was, I loved it. Your handout was well done. Um, you beat me up. You beat, If I remember correctly, you beat me up a little bit in that class. I might have I, had to shut you down. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I had a lot of questions because what you said made sense, and I was like, huh, wonder about this and this. And also, the kid next to me was like, hey, can you ask him this? You're louder than I am. I'm like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> so, but you could see everything. You could tell Vision had put thought into it, and and maybe it's not Vision, right? Maybe it's the hotel itself realized, hey, these are training events. Let's go ahead and make this nice. I mean, there is some responsibility of the host hotel that usually provides the equipment. Granted, it's normally subpar, but one of the big things for Vision to me, when you go there and you're new, there was a map, for God's sakes, and it had all the rooms numbered, and then next to it was a list of all the classrooms, what the class numbers were, who the teacher were, and what room they're in at what time, so you could figure out where to go. It was the little things, and I'm sitting here going, and we want people to pay thousands of dollars to come to this? Why? Using Vision as an example, it's done very well. Sherry and her team do it very well. The as far as like being able to see stuff on the screen, I also agree too. The screens are large. In most cases, they're large. I have been to other events where the screen is really small. And think about it: if I was to show a an IDS scan tool graphing screen on a, a on a small a small screen, you can't read the numbers. You can't read anything. No. You know, so again, I greatly appreciate the big screens, the good projectors. It makes it so so much easier um, and better for the student. Yeah, and 
it kind of cracks me up because I just went and did another training this weekend with Brandon Seckler. And <clears throat> he's like, oh, I'll bring my projector. Or I can – Brandon offered to bring his, and then he had to leave it at this event. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll bring my new one. I just bought, like, almost a Mac Daddy projector compared to most of these teachers that I see bring a projector and a 120-inch screen. And the 120-inch screen looks big sitting in my front room. Like, it's massive in my front room. We set it up in a shop bay, and I was like, oh, I should have got the 150-inch screen. This 120 ain't big enough. Like, you could read it at the back of the room, but we're only talking, I don't know, 30 students, maybe 10, 12 feet back. So you're close enough to where you could read it. And luckily, it's a full HD projector, so you get the quality that you can kind of read the finer details. But still, I was going, uh, this is not big enough. Like, if you really wanted to show fine details, which Brandon's class, it's pressure transducing, right? You're looking at stuff this big. I'm like, yeah, that 150-inch screen would have been nice, but it's just not – it's not something you can travel with. You get to a point where you can't travel with some of this equipment, and I get that. Right. Um, I was kind of taken back when you were telling me you bought that projector. Um, you know, obviously, I've never done any professional-level training. I didn't know that the trainer had to provide that. Oh, it depends. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But yeah. yeah. But but my problem is, is like Scott joked earlier, was, oh, do you have HDMI or VGA? Well, I went one place, had a presentation set up. <clears throat> we won't mention names. Sean Miller. And um, he had a projector and he handed it to me. And I'm like, dude, we have a problem. He goes, what do you mean we have a problem? And I'm like, what'd you do? Find this under a rock in your town that's only nine miles across? He goes, why? I said, I don't have uh, – the only output I have is an HDMI, and here we have a, a VGA projector. And I'm like, what the flip are we going to do? Tomorrow's the presentation <laughs> of the class. <laughs> and, and and then the next problem was it was a 4 by 3 screen. Well, I'd set everything up to be widescreen. So I was there for two or three hours that night literally editing every slide to move it so that it was still readable in a 4 by 3 format. It was It was terrible. And so now I'm just like, screw it. I'm going to bring my own projector, my own screen everywhere I go um, because you just don't know what you're getting into. They don't ask. We we always get told they were technical writers. I have yet to have a person say, hey, if you come teach here, can you can you provide me with a technical writer? I just want to know, hey, do you want a projector and a screen? And when I say, yeah, but it's got to be widescreen, it's got to have HDMI, they look at me like I have three heads. I'm like, this shouldn't be that hard. If you don't know what that is, you shouldn't be like booking right. people at this point in life. <laughs> I take mine when I can. It's hard to fly with the screen I have. If I drive, that's one story. But if I fly, that's another one. That's why I bought the 120-inch screen. The aluminum foldouts come out to 39.8 inches long. And the bag that it comes in, despite not being the best travel bag. You are a nerd, by the way. You knew 39.8. Well, <laughs> that I exact. I I just got it like a month ago, and I've been trying to find a case to put it in to travel with. <laughs> so you got to know. Um, but the bag for Delta, because I have Delta Gold status, so I get two free check bags. So I'll just always fly Delta because the bags are worth a lot of money. Um, and I'm now limited to 75 pounds a bag instead of 60, which helps. But the bag can have no longer than all the dimensions added up. So one length, one height, one width. Than 62 inches, unless 
it has sporting equipment or medical equipment in it. So if I fly somewhere where I can take my AR-15, I'm going to take my AR-15 in my gun case <laughs> because my screen fits in there beautifully. But unless I'm, if I'm teaching in Chicago, where apparently guns are illegal unless you want to kill everybody every weekend, because you're only guns. Yeah. Um. Then, you know, you can't. I can't take it, so I'm just going to take it in the bag. So I'm limited to 60 inches total, or 62. Well, the bag, the screen, the box, the screen came in is 61 inches. So I'm like, screw it. I'll just put it back in the box, tape it up, and just shove it on the conveyor, um, and just pray for the best. So you're not on the no-fly list? Not yet. <laughs> okay, just right making sure. Just making sure. Just check. I can see Matt being one of those guys that's a meltdown on the plane. He's upset about something. <laughs> they get get him off before the plane takes off. Dude, I hate flying. I am I get very very motion sick, so I try to buy the the seats in front of the wing. Um, sure. Delta, it's Comfort Plus because the plane. If you ever fly and you get to sit up front, look backwards when you're at thirty thousand feet. The plane does this little circle in the back, and I will get so sick on a flight. So now I try to buy the nicer seats. Um, matter of fact, when I went to North Carolina, I got I got to buy first class tickets for like seventy five dollars each way, and I was like, nice. seventy five bucks, yeah. Um, it was well worth seventy five dollars. But going to Chicago, it was like seven hundred dollars, and I'm like, no. Ooh. So yeah, um, I just find it funny that we just can't get quality stuff in a training class so when you say quality stuff do you mean uh in person or in the person. virtual stuff that's been going on no no well, now I, we're getting we're getting back to in person now and i'm excited about that because yeah. i missed that you you can't convince me to watch that class that i need to take again in years because i forgot more than what i learned um online like, I just can't do it. Three hours of sitting here, by the end of the hour, I'm going. <laughs> I mean, I'm nodding off. I'm, I'm not paying attention. I'm playing games on my iPhone. I mean. It's tough to stay engaged. You know, I prefer in person. If we take a vote, we take a vote right now. Who prefers in person? I do. Definitely. <laughs> yep. Fans will, De- uh, you know. Depends who's there. <clears throat> what was that, Matt? Depends on who's there. Yeah, okay. That, that's how I decide. <laughs> Depends on the trainer or the people that you're sitting next to in the back row. Oh, just and yeah, in general. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the quality of individuals there. Yeah, but, I know there have yeah. been a handful of times that that Matt has probably been sitting next to Harvey in the back row, and Harvey was probably taking a nap. <laughs> no offense to Harvey, he, he chilling out in the back row, you know. Somehow he could nod off and yet still hear everything. Yep. Yep, he'd wake up and chime in right when it was appropriate. <laughs> uh, missed that guy. See, he wasn't really sleeping. He was doing what all moms have learned to do. He was just resting <laughs> his eyes. <laughs> because yeah. I could never get away with anything as a child. My mom could be passed out on the couch. You like so much as pull out the permanent marker from the drawer. Put it back! You were sleeping! <laughs> Um, okay, so I had somebody call me the other day. He, he listens to podcasts and he does some mobile work. Um, and he had done some training in the past, you know, professional level training. And 
he had gotten a call recently that a company wants him to get back into it, wants him to do some industry training. And he was really on the fence about it because his feeling is, and based from his experience training and his experience out in the field, that there doesn't seem to be motivation from a lot of technicians, the majority of technicians in the field, to want to even bother with training. And if they go to take all this in and actually, you know, try to learn and grow. So he's discouraged and he's like, I, I don't really know, you know, whether I want to get back into this because I feel like it's, it's kind of pointless because nobody really wants to better themselves. Not nobody, but the majority doesn't want to better themselves in this industry. It's like, I don't know what to do as an instructor to change that, to, to get more people interested in bettering themselves. Um, and so he was asking me about it and I was, you know, I, I would, don't really have a ton of answers for them. I've never done industry level training. I just don't feel like it comes from the education side. Like it's up to them to increase the interest. I just, I feel a lot of it's got to come from the shop from management level where, you know, we're in an odd predicament, I guess now self-imposed where it's very, very difficult to find talent. It's very, very difficult to find skilled individuals. And I mean, in a shop, in the bays. Not training, too. Don't get me wrong. It's hard to find the next instructors. Where are they coming from? But in the bays, it's hard to find skilled individuals to do this job at a high level. So they're kind of sitting, the ones that are there now, and especially they're decent, they're holding a lot of leverage. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, like, well, no, part of working here is regular education and, you know, we pay you to go or, you know, have something worked out uh, that's fair, right? And I, I think it's been discussed on here a little bit, and not that it would hurt to discuss more, but... You know, let's just assume a veteran tech that is a producer, therefore you as management have offered to pay not only for the training and to get them to the training, depending on, you know, if it's local or, you know, an an event, get them there and then pay them to be in there. You, You still have the tech. If he doesn't really want to, or she, if they don't really want to, what's the threat? (laughs) Really? So I still feel like at the shop level, they have to really promote and push and stress continued training, continued education for whatever area of the vehicle you typically service. And I understand a lot of indie techs out there. It's, it's bumper to bumper, whatever ticket you grab, that's what you're doing. So you, you know, try to, uh, you know, have a wide range of training available and that's hard to find, you know, what, what is there for training for like the more mechanical end of things? Not that that would be such a you know high volume class versus like diagnostics and electrical stuff where there's so much. It, it just seems like it's, it's got to come from that. If that's just kind of part of the way things are, everybody is going for training at some mm-hmm. point. Service advisors, managers, owners, the bookkeeper, uh, the techs at all levels. 
just regularly rotating through training, be it in person or online, that is just kind of expected. That would help greatly. It's just so rare. It's really, really rare that there's any shops I can think of just in, in high volumes. Like there's the ones we all kind of know about, especially through social media, but as a whole, looking around locally, extended locally, you know, outside of that, you know, whatever radius you want to swing around your shop or house, it's really rare. I, I just, I don't know many that regularly I don't know if demand is quite the right word, but should be maybe demand that their employees attend continued education. I think part of that's the shop, like you're saying, should push them to do it or require them to do it. Part of it's awareness. I'll give you an example in a second. And part of it's just, are you actually going to do it as the technician? So the shop part you covered, the awareness, I'll give you a great example um, it's, it's been a few years since we changed governors here in Illinois, but the Illinois EPA used to have a training program, um, that would do eight, eight different topics a year, something around eight topics a year at uh, multiple locations all around Chicago and East St. Louis. And they were completely free. And the training I'll name one of the instructors. I was going to name all Scott four. Scott Shotton. Okay, one of the I'll name the other three. I was the lowest you guy in the protocol. Yeah, the other three are pretty heavy hitters as well. Would you know? Yeah. Would you John agree? Jordan, Scott Manna, Ken Zanders, right? You could go to any one my class or any one of their classes, and I would attend their classes whenever for free for three, four hours on a Tuesday night or whatever the case and drive. They had so many locations. You could just drive. All you had to do was go online and say, I'm coming. That's it. Nothing. And you could go. And you'd have, you know, a, a John class with 20 people in it. And it was the same 20 people every year. It was the same 20 people every time. And we're talking in Chicago. I guarantee there's more than 20 technicians in Chicago. Right? But it was the same people every time. So those are the people that had passion. Those are the people that would go to whatever training they could go to, especially if it's free. But you'd also see those same people at paid classes. You know, some of them have gone on to be on some of these podcasts. Right, because they're growing in the industry as well. It's ridiculous to me because I was never one of those. Maybe it's maybe it's why I've moved down my path, my career path. Is I was never one of those like, yeah, training, okay, cool, and eh, never mind. I'm going to hang out and do something else. Never mind. No, I always I always went. My boss paid for it, and every time he gave me the opportunity, I would go. Right here is an automotive seminars class or something. A uh, hundred bucks, hundred ten bucks, what whatever it was. You're going Tuesday night to see John teach a class. Whatever. Cool. I'm in it. I'm going. You know, but it's weird seeing someone else in the shop next to you because, eh, no, I'm going to go, you know, swap the wheels on my Jeep because I need bigger wheels in my driveway and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, this is your career. You don't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I got on my little soapbox yeah. there for a minute. No, but. Well, you know, and I think it's deserved. And I think your soapbox has actually a nice segue into my theory about why training today is just so negated. Um, I think it's because the people on Facebook who have a social media input, when they go to a training class, they always complain, oh, there was no advanced classes. Well, then the guy who needs the basic electrical 
really doesn't even want to sign up for it because now he feels embarrassed to go. And and here's a prime example. I had a guy, I think it was Monday, I went and looked at this Nissan. He looked at me and goes, how old are you? And I said, I'm 34. And he goes, Jesus, I've been fixing cars longer than you've been alive. Why are they calling you to fix this car? I said, because I understand electrical apparently better than you do. I, I don't know what to tell you. And I was there 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, it needs an ECM relay. Here you go. Car starts. See you. Bye. You know me, my diag fee, and I left. Um, and I realized that it was at that moment that that guy would probably never walk into a basic electrical class, yet he needs the fundamentals so much. And and the reason he won't is, one, he's arrogant. Let's let's just be honest. There's an ego in all of us that just says, oh, we're above that. But he really needs it. Two, I guarantee you nobody else, his level or better is going to walk into that basic electrical class and be like, oh, you know, that sounds like something I should take just to just to get a refresher. It's like we knock as an industry the basics, but yet every day that's how we fix cars. It's just the simple basics, repetitive, over and over and yeah. over again. They've, we've somehow made this huge mistake that fundamental means easy. Somehow that got correlated. Fundam- Learn the fundamentals. Oh, well, that's the basics, therefore easy. That's never been the case. That's never, ever been the case. Uh, and yet, that's our thought process. And then, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. I feel like they've been in a couple electrical classes or they're pretty handy with their test light. Um, they don't really they're need really to good go. They're really good with a power probe. Yeah, you know, they've been to a few scope classes and, you know, they just don't really ever use a scope. Therefore, they just don't really need it. And, it, you know, you can, it's not the uh, the mundane stuff day in and day out. It's those ones that maybe kick your butt that shouldn't. Or they don't accept that it's kicking their butt. It's just they think they're following this path to um, a diagnosis. And it's misleading them because they didn't reach for the other tool, whatever that may be, right? It could, it wouldn't have to be a lab scope or a current probe with a lab scope or something like that. It could, it could have been a headlight. Yeah. Used correctly, but yeah. Right. You know what I mean? No, like there's certain tests where they got the voltmeter out and that's way not the right tool for that job. They'd have been much better off with a headlight or a 3157 or something type of the right tool for the job is a freaking wiring diagram and when i see people stabbing like wires with a test light or a voltmeter or a power probe i'm like you don't even know what you're doing where's the wiring diagram what are you testing i don't know i want to get the wiring diagram before you start stabbing wires that's step number one but i I won't i won't tell you i did that the other day but i at least back probed them (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm guilty too i have when you look at the ignition coils on one side of the engine and they all have the same color wires except for one in position number two on every coil, it's a pretty safe bet that's the trigger wire. So you yeah, probe that guy. So I don't always use the wiring diagram, but anything in question, that wiring diagram's out. Yeah. I mine was similar. It was a radar on a twenty twenty one Kia K five. I had no com with it and I checked all the fuses. Well, they're all good. So then I just took my scope and checked powers, grounds, and can lines. And was like, well, it's the only one with 12 volts. Let's see if it lights the test light. Oh, yep, it's, it's definitely power. Um, but, I mean, it only had six wires. It had a it had a Lin bus. And I know from looking at other Kias that there's a Lin bus that goes straight to the camera. 
for um, collision avoidance. It helps with pedestrians and bicycles. That's why when you code the radar, it has to match the camera because they talk directly to each other. Um, and then I knew the other two wires were canned just from looking at the pattern. I'm like, well, this out of six, this only means that I have a power and I have a ground left. I mean, it wasn't rocket science. It has to have a power and a ground. So when they were all there, I'm like, oh, it's a bad new radar. And the shop just looked at me like, a, like I was an idiot. I'm like, well, it's not my problem. The new radar doesn't work. Get another one. Parts so. delivery driver dropped it on the way in. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It says right on there. Don't drop it. Yeah. They, they really didn't believe me. And this happens to be a dealer that stores new Kias waiting to be delivered. So I walked over to the parking lot and just took a radar off a new car and plugged it in and went, hey, look, this one docks. Get me a new one. Oh, by the way, we need to calibrate that car. Can you bring? Can you find the key for it? Always <laughs> <laughs> nice to bit know left, good. A little bit left field, an idea. I guess you know, I would whatever class I would go to, or uh, even even like some of the trade rigs. Read an article um, uh, about a diagnostic, like a case study or a diagnostic process or something like that. That there's many nights. And I'm not insinuating it was, you know, up till midnight at the shop, but there's nights I would stay after work till, you know, a couple hours to try that. You know, I just went to this class and, you know, scoping using a low amp current probe, you know, again, I'm not, it doesn't have to be next level or, you know, and really who's to say that isn't next level just because it's kind of popular now and known about doesn't mean it's not next level. It's next level but I would somebody. stay after work and I'd bring some vehicles in and I'd scope fuel pumps or ignition coils or whatever. It doesn't matter what I'd scoped. It's just I did it because I wanted to be able to do it. I wanted to see it for with my own eyes. And, you know, a lot of shops are not set up in a way during the day that a tech could really take an extra 15 minutes on this vehicle to... Go grab whatever tool. It doesn't matter if it's a scope or whatnot. Just pick pick the diagnostic tool and just say, hey, I want to, you know, we saw this in class. I want to grab a scan tool. I want to look at some of this data and maybe take it for a trip around the block. So well, I guess where I'm going with that is, yeah, you know, we put a lot on the tech themselves to say, okay, well, you know, it's five o'clock. Everybody's heading out. I'm going to go and you know, we got this newer vehicle in from a collision shop. I'm going to plug in and just look at some data. I find it, I you know, odd that shop owners, managers don't look at that and kind of track your training. And I just went to this shot in class on, you know, diagnostics from the driver's seat or something of that nature. And he was looking at, you know, picks and pids, whatever, fuel trims. And he said that, a vacuum leak on an engine with a mass airflow sensor will do this with fuel trims. And that's a, that's a clue. Well, I want to see that. And why, you know, as a shop owner or manager to talk to their techs and be like, Hey, you know, what, what class did you go to? How was it? Was there anything cool? Talk about this test, you know, for a vacuum leak sitting in the driver's seat, you can kind of have a pretty good idea. You got this issue and what the next step would be, well, did you bring a car in and try that? You know, hey, you know, the, the shop loaner vehicle or my vehicle or that one car over there, would that work? You know, let's do that. Yeah, and, prove it and yourself. try to kind of feed that, I don't know if repetition is quite the right word, but in it, 
to put into practice something they just learned. Cause that's like the biggest thing I ever hear about is, you know, Scott and I are now doing these Pico classes, uh, namely at vision. There's people that have been in that class multiple times and it could be because I'm a horrible instructor and that's very believable. But I think the other thing that they say to protect me, my feelings is that, you know, whatever they enjoyed themselves, they learned a lot. And then they got back to the shop and they never got to put it into practice. And then months and months and months go by. Oh, this would be a great opportunity to use the scope. Uh, how do I do that again? You got to do it. You got to practice it. I mean, Matt alluded to the classes that, uh, that we're teaching. They're hands-on. So that's at least one step above just listening to someone and and seeing the screen nothing against that but but i know that most of us in this field are we're visual and when you put something in our hands right you're going to show me a picture of a rear differential a ring and pinion gear and so forth and explain how it works and how to take it apart and how to put it together and size the shims and all that kind of stuff that that makes sense on paper, but you walk away and go, okay, I think I know what's going on. But you take that differential apart, put it in someone's hands, and they can see how it works. Cool. That's good. Yep. Right? So so hands-on classes, they're very hard logistically to do, especially for large groups. But I think they're beneficial. Anything that, that you would take from a uh, face-to-face class or a uh, virtual class, for that matter, where there is no hands-on component, like Matt said, if you don't put it to practice, spend the extra night after work and go and go, you know, and try it. Oh, uh, Matt told me that I can uh, current ramp this ignition coil and see X, Y, Z. Right? Okay. Well, let's find out. Let's go hook up my scope. And half of using a scope, for example, or any tool for that matter, is knowing how to use the tool yep. and then interpret the results. So half of a scope class, I'll just pick on scopes, half the scope class is learning how to do the setups and obtain the, the captures that you want and have the setups correct. And the second half is analyzing the pictures that you get, right? So you might remember, oh, this is what an ignition coil is supposed to look like on a current ramp. But if you can't remember how to hook up your scope because it's been six months, then how are you going to get the picture? Yep. Or how are you going to get an accurate picture? So I totally, I totally agree with what Matt's saying. The, the other thing that I think a lot of people don't do is if I'm learning something new, I'll film myself doing it. So I screen record my laptop, I'll take out my iPhone, record what I'm doing, and then I'll email that video to myself. And then I'll watch it later. Oh, well that was a waste of time there. Let's not do that step. I could have skipped that and done this. And... Then I'll do it again in a week and again in another week. And I film it each time. And then by the end of it, I have a pretty narrowed down process. And I keep that little video or I'll take a bunch of notes. I, I'm really good. Please, please tell me you have a Telestrator. A, a what? Well, come on. Tell the, the Telestrator. <laughs> What's a Telestrator? Draw the circles. Like yeah, the football you, you game. Watch a football like game. The football and they get game. The... Here we draw a circle here yeah. and it went this way. Hockey, no, no, they do it in hockey sometimes. I don't watch sports. A lot of squiggly time. lines in hockey, though. Bat- <laughs> basketball. Hockey down here. Our team won the Stanley Cup, and I still don't understand that, but whatever. It was on grass. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> shit is in sand, but... 
but I mean, and then I keep those. Now I'm a person who can learn from reading something, so I found that out that that's apparently a gift. Like you mentioned, Scott, if you take if you read how a differential works, can you actually go do it? I'm the guy who would be like, oh, that's how it works, and I could just walk over and go do it. But apparently that's a really rare gift. I did not realize how rare that was. Um, so I'll write notes or do something. And then if I don't do that process for six months, well, I can go back and read my notes. Oh, this was a proficient way I figured out how to do this. Now I have it. Now let me go back and do it again. And and I can keep that process up. Um, the problem was is I started it too late in life. So now there's stuff I haven't done in months, years, Um like, I don't deal with lean codes very much anymore because it's mostly body shops. I don't deal with many misfires anymore because it's mostly body shops. So when I get a lean code or a misfire, I'm like, oh, my gosh, let me go dig out some books and read. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> and and I do. I spend, I spend four or five hours at night trying to remember what lean and rich is and how this system works. And I, it just – I bog myself down with learning. But it's, it's one of those things where I wish I would have kept more notes early on about how okay. I did things and why I did them that way. So what you're explaining there, I mean, all the things that you're doing and that, I mean, even the fact that you're saying like, you know, you can read something and go do it. Like you, you're the outlier, right? I think it's just a fact that we can all accept. Like not everybody in this industry or any industry, any job is going to be doing those things or like that unless they have the right incentive. Right. And so, you know, my thought is, okay, so we want to get the majority of technicians, you know, up to a higher level just to better the industry, right? What is the incentive to do that? Maybe what's your incentive to be that way? And what would incentive be for someone who's not? Is it just money? Is it that simple? Or is there something more that we can do? I think especially young, like young people coming in, it's less about the money and more about um, being like being a part of something, but also feeling like you are contributing to their success in the future. And I, Shanahan would talk about this a lot. Matt Shanahan. Um, is he on your, has he been on your podcast yet? There's too many mats in this industry. We need to get people with different names. Yeah. <laughs> He was on a, God darn it. Was it this one or was it Carms? But he was talking about how um, a lot of kid, a lot of kids coming out of college, trade schools, choose going to the dealers over independent shops, and the overwhelming reason was training. That they had a kind of a career path at the dealer that was not available to them, or at least projected or explained to them. Uh, during the interviewing process in an independent shop where the independent shop's like, yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes. And the dealer would be more like, Oh no, you know, you start here and you take these classes and these are online. And then you go to, you know, such and such a place and we pay, we give you a car and we pay you. And, you know, eventually you work your way up to, you know, master status or whatever their designation is, you know, world, I forget. They all got different ones, so I guess it doesn't right. really matter. Each manufacturer is different. Yeah. And so I feel like, especially young people uh, coming in, that it's important to them for more of a reason, uh, for reasons that have less to do with like compensation. 
some the veterans, the ones that have been in it for a while. Now it's more about uh I would say compensation for time. Not necessarily like dollars and cents, but compensate me for my time. You know, I've bought a house, I own a boat now, got a family. My time is valuable to me to do what I want to do with them or you know, I bought a big screen TV. I bought this really big screen and I like to watch TV, movies or video games on. <laughs> but my time is, you know, valuable. Now compensate me for that. And maybe it's dollars and cents, maybe it's vacation time to make up for time spent uh, at the uh in class. Uh hopefully it's kind of a uh you know, it's split up a little bit where you as an individual sitting there in class understand that you are also increasing your value, not only to the shop you're at now or the f- facility, but also any future facility need if you need to. So that you will take, you know, take that into consideration a little bit. You know, not that we shouldn't be like most other professions where if you're sent to training usually you're you're covered also consider that you're improving yourself as well to make yourself more marketable you you kind of touched on something there that i've never understood so uh i worked at an indie shop for uh, 14 15 years uh and they would pay for my training in the evenings sometimes weekends or whatever the case they never paid me extra pay, like book time or, or however you want to look at your pay scale. Like we're paying for your training, you can go. So I didn't get I didn't get paycheck for going to that training, but I'll go gladly because that only makes me a better technician, which makes me a better person for the shop, which helps the customers, which helps my paycheck, which it's a big circle. I never really understood how people go, you're not going to pay me for my time? Um, well, indirectly, yeah, you are getting paid for your time. I'm just not paying you for the three hours that you're sitting there this evening. Now, granted, it was great that they paid for the class, but I never asked my employers to pay. Okay, I'm going to be there for three hours. I want three hours at $24, whatever it was, $24 an hour. You owe me 75 bucks. No, I never, never did that because it came back, came back around. I never understood how people complained about that. You know, if if the if the shop pays for the training, I don't know that you have to pay them for their time unless it's during the week. When I was at the dealer, and I went to, I worked at Ford for eight months, and I went to their electrical three day electrical school, and I did get paid because I had to leave work and spend eight hours a day during normal work hours where I could have been working on a car. Okay, I get that. But for, you know, a, a, a Tuesday evening for three hours, you get a class, go. You might get, might get free food out of it. That's a whole other subject, too. Yes, if your class... How do you, fi- how do you fill a class to put pizza in front of the room? Right? Damn right. <coughs> Sushi. Pizza possible, we're, gonna, we're mixing it up. We're doing a class. We're serving sushi. Oh, I'm in that. Um, quick trip. Delicious. What's quick trip? It's the oh, new dude. school over at uh, Jefferson. Yeah, that new one for Vision. They've got a lot of bathrooms, so it will work out well. 
<laughs> I I think Scott, you just dated yourself there with that that comment about. I probably did. Um, but I grew up in the same. I mean, my stepdad was that way. Oh, your boss is gonna pay for you to go to that class? Then you're gonna go. Well, why would I go? I'm not getting paid to go. Like I can't go out with my girlfriend now. Then he's like, because at the end of the week, you'll make more money because you win. If it's not this week, it'll be next month. If it's not next month, it'll be next year. And he's like, that compounding growth of you going to them classes will be more beneficial than that $75 you got because you're going to have to put in the effort to learn it. You're going to have to pay attention to make sure you learn it to gain back the money that you lost. So you did just call me old. And and you also made a, a very parallel to investing. Yeah. Oh. Financial investing. Same concept, right? Put a little bit away here, put a little bit away there, and then when you're old, like me apparently, <laughs> then, you, then you might have some money. <laughs> Your portfolio is looking pretty good. <laughs> We're supposed to save for retirement. Oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I thought we just bought tools and then uh, sold them later. Yeah. I'm just saving for my funeral because they're going to coincide. <laughs> Matt, your employer does that for you. Cremation. Wait, we have an employer. What is you've that? got you've got the 401k match, right? Yeah, yeah, 401k match. Yeah, I'm I fired zero. every Friday. <laughs> yeah, I I know I've told this before, but it. And, and there is a difference between voluntary and involuntary. So I have a, a friend from high school was complaining to me about how his job, uh, and I think it was in IT, was sending him, uh, you know, we're living in Minnesota. I think he's working south of uh, Minneapolis. Sending him out to, uh, I'm pretty sure it was San Francisco for a week for training. On whatever it is, Cisco, who knows. And uh, he was pretty upset. And I'm like, well, what are you complaining about? You have to pay for your flight out there? Oh, no. No, they pay for that. Pay for your hotel? Nope, nope, they got that all covered. You getting paid to go? Yep. Okay, um... You have to... I suppose you have to feed yourself. No, I get a stipend for every day. Like, what are you complaining about? The... Dude, I had to pay for my flight out to San Francisco to go to Harvey and Edwin's hybrid class. I lucked out. I knew somebody going, so I split a hotel with them. I had to feed myself. I didn't get paid to go. Now, granted, I chose that. I wanted to know how to work on hybrids. I didn't want one showing up and be totally clueless. You know, so the class helped me be slightly clueless. And, you know... But he's complaining the whole time about this. I'm like, what are you complaining about? Like, they're helping you get better at your job, which is already paying you better than I get paid to do mine. Uh, I just, I couldn't get over that. And granted, he didn't really have a choice. Don't go, don't work here. Um, For us, I think that may have used to be a threat. And maybe some shops that is a threat. You know, maybe some shops kind of have... Uh, slapped a, a a set of golden handcuffs on their employees a little bit like yeah you'll be out of a job for five minutes but are you going to replace that job really you know, some of them absolutely some of them if they ever got fired it'd be a favor they'd instantly improve their station 
Um, so maybe that's an idea for shop owners is to start thinking in t- those kind of terms. So, uh, handing out your own sets of uh, golden handcuffs where now swing the leverage a little bit. Not that we always have to fight for leverage, but may- maybe even it out a little bit. Yeah, it's it's there whether you want it to be or not, right? Um, but that's that's the way I always looked at it as a tech, right? If, if they want to pay for me to go to training, I'm gonna, I'm going to jump on that. I mean, it's free education, right? Like I, I never understood why people wouldn't want to go to that. Um, Th- that's what you got to get on your podcast, not all of us who would go anyways. I don't know if I'd go anyways. I'm getting pickier since I'm self-employed about where I go. Why? So, so for me, like, let's just take vision, right? So let's say the average week, just for whole numbers, I'm doing $30,000 a month in sales, right? So there's four weeks in a month. So that's, that's what? Six grand? (laughs) Roughly? So now for me to take clothes for a week, pay, let's say, $1,000 for a flight. Well, now we're at seven grand. Then I got to pay for vision, pay for hotel, pay for food. You're talking $10,000 to go for a week. It, it becomes hard as a sole proprietor, single employee to justify $10,000. Yeah, and there's a certain reality that doing what you do day in and day out on the vehicles you do them on. So, you know, not saying I know exactly what you do, but mobile. You have a good idea. You work yeah, on body shop cars. Doing a lot of mobiles, uh, collision shops, usually co- newer vehicles. Most of the training and a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily pertain. No. Yeah, but- to, a, to a 2020 it's, yeah, it gets rough. It get and that's that's my issue. Like, I love Brandon Seckler's class to death. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but good God, I think I busted out the rudest comment ever when he's like, "Oh, we got this case study of this 1999 Cadillac," and I'm like, "Dude, that car doesn't even flipping exist today. Come on, <laughs> like." Nobody has the Cadillac North Star that when you pull the heads off, the, the, the bolts strip out of the block, right? Like, those are all gone. Update your case study, man. You got to time cert them. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but that's where, like, I get picky about training. Um, and, and honestly, if I'm going to go to training, and this sounds bad, I prefer Saturday, Sunday. I can fly out late Friday night or Friday afternoon. I'll take a red eye home and be back to work on Monday. It's it's the least out of pocket expense. Yeah, but you're also you have the passion, you're willing to do that. How many technicians that work everyday shops are gonna go, all right, I'm gonna work all week long. Even if my boss pays for it, I'm flying out Friday, Saturday, no wife, no kids, no boat, no four wheelers, no snowmobiles, no nothing, right? And then come back Sunday night late and get up and go to work in the morning. That's not appealing to to many people unless they have a passion for their for their job and and growing. Yeah. Then I think that's one of the issues. 
I don't know how many shops I've gone to where uh, being mobile and, and they're like, well, where do I get this training? Well, here's a place, here's a place, here's a place. I go back two months later for another job. Where do I get this training? Same place I told you last time. <laughs> did, did you go? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Well, where do I get this training? No, no. Yeah. It's like, go. You know, it's I, not like... Oh, God. Well, I mean, it's not... You've been doing... Just to pick on ADOS a little bit. Or I should say pick on, pick out. <coughs> you've You've been doing ADOS now for what? three years or more yeah roughly so you were doing it before there was really any classes on it so you were really just and and not saying like you need a ton of training to do it you learned that you had to follow the instructions you have the right target what it says (laughs) follow the instructions and you know muddle through some of the uh, line drawing or whatever you want to call that you, you kind of figured it out on your own where now I would say shops that didn't get on that bandwagon right away. Now the boss is talking about spending, you know, whatever the amount is, you know, they're going to buy one of those big quote unquote universal kits. We'll just say that it's a the master re- kit for yeah, a master kit. There, That's probably better yet. A master kit. They're going to drop tens of thousands of dollars and okay. Make us some money. And there's kind of that holy shit moment. Then, yeah, okay, we got to go get some training. And they could go to a number of training events and come back with an increased competency level. But really, looking at your day-to-day, this isn't butt-kissing at all. It's just a reality. You're not alone. There's a lot of mobile companies, mobile techs out there, same exact category. If I go to these classes, what am I taking away? What what's going to help me tomorrow? And unless you're struggling with electrical stuff, which is not it's not knocking anybody. If you do, you do. Now you have every reason to go to one of these. But if you're not, your day to day is fighting 2020-2021s, figuring out how to get your, you know, interface to work or, you know, the the manufacturer switched up how they're uh you know, you're accessing a portal or whatnot. What what do these offer? It, it is rough for you guys to do that. It's it's really rough. Well, and that kind of comes back, you know, full circle to what Matt was talking about at the beginning too. Like, it still pays to go to fundamental classes, but I mean, would it pay for you to go to a you know basic ADOS class because you've been doing it for so long? And what do you what do you think? The, the the problem is is the basic ADOS classes. Hey, this is a Toyota. This is how you calibrate it, right? Like, um, Scott Brown and I have had some confrontations on Facebook, you know, about different things. And and I got to meet him this weekend and really talk to him in person. And he kind of struck me as a very different person in person than he is on Facebook. Um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean, he was way cooler in person than he is on Facebook. And I said, Hey man, by the way, I really appreciated your, uh, your Tesla post about showing the target, right. And how the camera sees it. Now, if somebody would offer a basic ADOS class and say, Hey, we're going to talk about how these sensors work. I don't care if that costs $20,000. I'm flying to take that class. Because never once has somebody said, hey, this is how this camera sees this. This is how this radar sees this. 
on this BMW, this is what it means by a short-range radar. This is how far it works. This is how a, a long-range radar works. This is how they work together. This is what the car is seeing, right? To me, that's basic fundamentals. Sitting there telling me, oh, if you do a Toyota, you need to put the target 3,000 millimeters from the center of the front bumper, and it needs to be the same height, and this is how the procedure states it, and this is what it means. No, that's not fundamental. That's a, I'm teaching you how to do it. And and that's where I think a lot of the ADOS classes are wrong. But Lucky I, I don't you. Know. Lucky you, Shotton, and I are doing an ADOS fundamental class. It's only $10,000 a seat, so you're going to save. And we're there's capping only, it. There's only, one seat, there's only one seat left, so you want to throw it right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing sure, you brought it up. I can tell you about it. All right, guys, I got to go and start reading about this ADOS stuff so I can get ready for this kind of <laughs> But like one of the things Scott Brown mentioned was he stumbled across a post about an engineering mode in Toyota, and the guy posted why the lighting in your shop is so important. And and he said that you couldn't see the target on the left, but the center and the right one you could see clearly. And the guy goes, this passed. But if you knew the camera saw it like this, would you let this car go? And I sat there and thought, no, I'd never let it go, but it says pass, so I'm letting it go all day long. Why don't we know this kind of information? Why can't we see that? And that's the kind of things with uh, Scott Brown's connections that he has and, and what he's done for the industry that he can provide, I think, to other people. And so I'm hoping that me talking to him and bugging him, maybe he'll write a class and I can pay stupid money and fly out to a shop in communist California and take it. But, you know. I here's and, and I'll be the first to admit I'm the first one to kind of knock a class like why am I going to take that ATG I love automotive training group classes the books are great <clears throat> um, I really enjoy them probably because they're the only training I really get down here in Orlando besides CTI and advanced classes um, but they called me up and they're like oh we're doing an EVAP class I instantly was like nope not going he's like why I'm like we're a non-emission state nobody here fixes EVAP issues the lights on, the car runs fine, drive it down the road, who cares? But later on, after the class came and went, I was like, I should have went. And the only reason I should have went was once in a while, a friggin' EVAP canister or something gets broke in an accident, and then I get stuck fixing an EVAP leak because it's a new car. And you're right, the little bit of basics I would have learned in that class, because I don't deal with them every day, would have helped. So I clearly shot myself in the foot by not paying to go to that class and being short-sighted. One of the things that helps me decide what classes to attend, attend now, not teach, attend, part of it's the trainer because there's, there's plenty of trainers I've been to many, many times and I really like them. I like their style. I like how they provide information. The handouts might be good. Maybe there's not a handout. Maybe it's digital, a PDF or something of that nature. Or maybe but there just it, isn't a handout. Maybe not, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> uh, but then there's other trainers I've seen where it's like, I will never go to this guy's class again, or girl, but usually it's a guy, never go to this guy's class again because his delivery style was like putting you to sleep. Or the information that was being relayed was completely inaccurate. 
you know, and, and if I if I know, and don't get me wrong, I, I do not know everything. No one does. But if it's a topic that I, I really know well, and they just say something that's blatantly wrong, that's automatically a turnoff, and I, I'm not going to go back to that individual's class again. You know, so that that's one of the things that helps me decide. So you said something that explains why you haven't been in one of my classes in a while. Broadcast that in the hundredth episode to everybody. Shoulder to shoulder with you, I've been in your class. (laughs) That's why my side hurts. All those elbows, like, hey, see, and don't pull out the broom. uh, You're there just to push the broom. Comment. I'm sorry if I saw like Scott Shotton in one of my classes or one of the other people that I've like know just from hearing their names enough times. I'd be like, "Why are you here? Can you just leave? You're making me nervous being here." Yeah, it's, it's very nerve wracking. <laughs> well, that's kind of like having John Thornton yeah. in one of my, especially early on in my career, really early in my independent training career, when John would sit in the back of my class, I would get so nervous. I'm like, yeah. what What the hell are you doing here? Go away. <laughs> you know, like, oh, what are you going to do? But uh, no, he was always polite about it. And I'm always polite about it when I'm in someone else's class, too. So, you know, I'm just there to see. You can yeah. teach me something. Teach me something. He had a really nice way of telling me to maybe learn the material before I go presenting it. <laughs> <laughs> don't read just the notes off the slide. Yeah, I don't know. Just, We've all been to them classes, right? Those are the best. The guy clicks the slide, yeah. and you can see him reading the notes off the laptop. I yeah, went to I, one. I went to one, and he didn't even have a clicker. His wife was working the laptop, <laughs> and, and he would tell her, oh, "Okay, man. okay, honey, click the next slide. Okay, honey, click the next slide." Like, oh, Come on, you can't afford initials, a cheap forty dollars. Are the initials BF? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember the instructor's name. All right. Okay, it was uh, it was a uh, it was more of a locksmith class. Oh, well, that definitely. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Maybe sometime on the phone, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. <laughs> I don't want to throw anything under the bus. But I really don't remember the trainer's name. I really don't know. Um, going going back to what I was talking about earlier for like incentive to go, and I'm just thinking here as we're talking and stuff, and. I don't even know if this needs to be said for people that are listening to this podcast, but I'll I'll say it anyways because I think more people need to know. The other reason to go to training, honestly, is the networking. Like besides all the stuff we've been talking about, as far as the instructor and the venue and the projector, if all that stuff sucks and you still get to meet awesome people, that's that alone. I think is a reason to go to this stuff that I've figured out over the last few years. That's super, super important. So I don't know if, if you already know that, tell some other people so they know. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is the only reason I went to the training I went to not long ago was the network basically. Um, and I will say there's probably two or three people who have single handedly kept me in my mobile job doing what I do because I would have went to Disney a while ago, and these are business savvy people, um, Dutch and John Bridgewater, who were like, no, 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 let me help you make money because you suck at making money. You're genius at fixing cars. You suck at making money. And I mean, they were right. Um, 
And, I mean, over the last year, I've gone, oh, I've done this, I've done that. And and they're like, don't do that again. Do it like this. Oh, okay. You what started charging shop supplies? No, I didn't charge shop supplies. I should, oh. though. That'd be a good <laughs> way to make money this year. Yeah, um, what the heck? I can't believe I they didn't tell you to start doing tape. that. Um, Environmental and then, fees. And then the other big person. Wear, wear and tear on the vehicle. For a mobile guy, that's probably a new one. <laughs> Shop, shop supplies and vehicles. What's this line that says WT? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Kirk Holland, I met him at Hot Vision, or I think I bumped into him at Vision because Fanslow dragged me to dinner, um, which was the most awkward dinner I'd ever. Because so I was, was going to make you pay. <laughs> well, That's yeah, why. it was so expensive. I didn't even. I don't even think I remember ordering food. I was like, good. God, it's like $50 a person at this steakhouse. Um, But Kirk was there, and I kind of met him, and he seemed nice. But then Kirk came to Just Cars, and I remember him and Eric Ziegler coming up to me and going, you were really, really, really loud. Your programming (laughs) class was excellent, by the way. And they were in the class, like, across the hall. <laughs> they they were in call. Wally Meridian's class, and they overheard you. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and we kind of, he had some key questions, and I had some questions about how he runs his mobile stuff. And I will say I probably call him two, three times a week. Hey, man, I got this Mercedes. I know you do a little more Mercedes than I do. Do you know how this system works or how this works? And he knows. Like, he Kirk? knows how it works. Oh, yeah, Kirk. Yeah. Um, I was on the phone with him today. The guy's just friggin' brilliant. Or if you need something, he'll he'll find a way to get it for you. If you need an answer, oh, super nice. He'll bend over backwards for you. Oh gosh, man. I mean, I, yeah, he, he's just been a lifeline for me in my mobile business, and I wouldn't have had that without training. So yeah, you're right. Um, the the training may not always be the best, and you might have shoddy handouts, and you can't friggin' see the screen. But the guy sitting next to you might turn into your best friend that saved your day. Um. Because he knows something you don't. Yeah, I mean, the networking, I mean, Matt and I met at the Linder conference probably in, oh, geez, 06 or some, somewhere around. There was a while, quite a while yeah, ago. It's back when you had to respoke the wheels on the wagon. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then obviously you've been in my class too. So I mean, not Matt was, I don't know if Matt's ever been in one of my classes. He doesn't have to come Keep to my class. throwing out. Yeah, I just kicked you out. Get get out of here, <laughs> you know. But you, you obviously were in one of my classes, and uh, that's how we met. And then we ended up at dinners. And like, I I don't I don't know if I have your phone number, but if I needed something, uh, would you answer the phone call if I oh, called? I answer anybody's phone call. My phone rings all day long with people calling me asking me questions. Yeah, right. So I mean, it's people that you meet. It's like you know when I got this question. That's why I called Kirk today. I had I had an ADAS issue and. Uh, Eric was busy, and I'm like, well, who, who am I going to bother next? How is Eric busy? Isn't he, like, semi-retired? Isn't, he like, isn't Eric, like, semi-retired living in Jacksonville or something? Oh, he's in Jacksonville, and, and uh, he still runs the business uh, and does some training, but he's not out on the road unless one of his guys, because uh, the, the business is in Illinois. So the business is in Illinois, and he lives in Jacksonville with his grandkids. I had not no idea he was based at Illinois originally. That's so interesting. Yeah. Peoria, his kid, Illinois. His grandkids are a little young to own a house for him to live in with them. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple houses down there. Well, I, I don't know the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. 
But yeah, so he still runs the business. He's just not on the road daily anymore. I think he still makes all the appointments, though. Yeah, he's called me once or twice, and I didn't even know how he got my number, but he called. He's like, hey, is this Eric Ziegler? And I'm like, like, Who? trainer? <laughs> and he's like, is there anybody else named Eric Ziegler? And I'm like, uh, you never know. There's more than one Matt Skunderich, and apparently one of them's a gynecologist. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Does anyone ever call you? Yeah, uh, this, this story has to keep <laughs> Okay, so let me explain this story. So when I started my business, right, you have to file, like, with the state a business name. And so, I don't know, two months in, this flyer comes for a gynecologist scope so you can get a better picture of the insides. And my wife is like, was it the what rebadged ATS borescope by chance? Well, <laughs> 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 my wife holds it up and she's like, what did you sign your business up as? And I'm like, automotive? She's like, check out this flyer. And it says, Dr. Matthew Scunrich, Mobile Advanced Diagnostics and Programming, has my address. And I've called them 10 times. Like, look, you have the wrong guy. They're like, no, no, no. Your doctor number is blah, blah, blah. So if I finally Googled myself... Um, well, Googled my name, and there is. There's a Dr. Matthew Scunridge in the United States as a gynecologist, and I'm like, why? We don't even live in the same state. We don't even look alike. Like, what? Kind of explains the stirrups in the back of your van, though. <laughs> I will say it looks really good for looking in the muffler to check out the muffler bearing. I mean, I yeah. have found it useful for that. So now I'm wondering, can you get a, a prescription pad? <laughs> if I can get one of those, I'd be very happy. You can buy a lot of equipment patches. with one of those. <laughs> I just want motion sickness patches because they require a prescription, and it's a pain to get. You could be the first mobile tech driving around like a Ken Kenworth or a <laughs> Western Star, Peterbilt, just pulling in with a 53-foot trailer. You couldn't pull in to have my shops. I'm, I'm going to work on this car now. Let me pull it into my trailer. Does he ever <laughs> shut the Jake brake off? Jeez. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to calibrate this ADOS in my trailer so that I have the optimal lighting. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Rain or shine. I got slide outs on the side so you make yeah. sure you have enough room on the side. This used to be John Forrest's trailer. Oh. That'd be nice, actually. <laughs> oh, now he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's actually. Right. So Skundrich is showing up to Vision with a prescription pad. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so there is a company out here. My glass guy gave me the flyer, but they have a 23-foot trailer, and they have the Altel ADOS frame mounted to it, mounted in the front, and it's got a shade covering that they pull over to the car, and they drive the car on, and they move the car, chalk the wheels so it's at the right distance, and then they calibrate it right on the trailer. Hmm. I don't know how they make any money at it because I'm like just driving the trailer around in Florida with all our toll roads. That sucker's like twelve dollars just to go through <laughs> one toll. <laughs> they have a WT line and a TR line. <laughs> My next class, somebody's gonna say that. Look, it's Doctor Scundridge. Just gonna bust out laughing so hard. Oh, well, I'll tell it to you next time. Walk into my class, I'll say it. <laughs> I'm hoping you do your misfire class again. I need to take it. I was telling somebody about it today. 
I don't know when next time I'm teaching that. I don't know. Not 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 this time at Vision. Uh, maybe maybe in uh, Seattle if you want to fly out there. It's a long way for you. Washington, Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Oh, look, I don't mind traveling, but good. Well, I got to go to SEMA because I was invited to SEMA by somebody, and I've never been. And so he's like, "Look, I'll cover your airfare, I'll get your hotel, and I'll pay your food." Okay, deal. I'll go. Um, and. I was like, oh, from Orlando to Vegas again. Yeah, these flights suck. So unless you want to take like really crappy airlines like Spirit or Frontier, nothing is direct. So basically for Delta, it's going from Orlando to Minneapolis to to Vegas. (laughs) Just pick up Matt on on your way. How long is the way over there? Minneapolis is nice this time of year. (laughs) Or I could go to LAX. But the problem with LAX is, from LAX to Vegas, you're in this little single prop puddle jumper that for a guy who gets motion sick, just to take off is like the most death-defying, please don't puke everything that you've ever eaten in your entire life out. So, yeah, we won't do LAX anymore. Yeah, which is always silly to me. Let's fly past from you. Let's fly past Vegas to LAX and get on a plane and fly back to Vegas. Well, just, just give me a parachute and drop me right over Vegas, and you keep going to LA. The the best part is is the the best flight time wise was actually to JFK. So I'm like, wait a minute, I'm gonna fly in the wrong direction <laughs> to go to Vegas. I, okay. So I haven't bought my ticket. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I'm trying to talk my wife into going with me this trip. Um. Just because, you know, at night after SEMA, we could walk around together and see things. So I'm like, hey, you should go. And so I gave her her flight options. And she's like, your flights suck. So. When's that show? Uh, First week of November. Okay. Because I'm supposed to be there Halloween night, which is a big deal to my wife. Because having a Fremont Street. Well, yeah, that's, having a four that's and six awesome. year old, my wife wants to be here with the kids, and I'm like, no, we need to be in Vegas. I want to see what happens. Yeah, you have to go to Fremont Street. That's yeah, no, especially on Halloween. Oh yeah, if you're going on Halloween, go to Fremont Street for sure. Listen, last time I was there, they had circles that people could stand in, and these ladies were yelling tips for picks, and I was thinking <laughs> to myself, I'll give you a tip, no pick, just put some more clothes on, lady. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that. <laughs> She was like, I don't know, five six, three hundred and fifty pounds, and like a g-string and a bra. And I'm like, look, lady, nobody wants to see that. Just put some clothes on. And hey, there's somebody for everybody. Dude, this conversation, this conversation is going south fast. <laughs> He'll edit it out later. Or not? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the other yeah. thing I think with training, I'll get back on topic. That I hear a lot of techs say or 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 complain about, and I'm guilty of this. So, a lot of these things is because I've done it, and I realized how stupid now it sounds. Is you go to a class, you sit in there, and the boss will ask you or somebody ask you, "Hey, what'd you think of the class?" Oh, I don't know, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, damn it, that is a stupid answer, and I want to punch myself now for ever saying it, and other people who say it. Yeah, you may not got a lot out of it, but don't talk bad about the class because you don't know if that person next to you thought that class was life-changing. You know what I mean? Maybe that guy presented a misfire in a way. That tech could have been like, 
dang it, man, I spent like eight hours on a car. That would have been brilliant to figure out. And you're going, I do that every day. That was dumb. I didn't get anything out of it. But the other thing, too, is is you got to realize that the longer you're in this career and the more you know, not that you'll ever know anything, everything or even anything if your fans low, um, is that every class you take, no matter how basic or how fundamental, there's one or two things you gain out of that class. So I've taken Brandon Seckler's pressure transducing class I want to say three times now and, and it's the same class like same slides same class every time but every time i go there's something i'm like oh, i don't remember that the first time and and maybe i've just forgot right because i know it's pretty much the same presentation but i gained something out of it and that's why when somebody hosted it for free three and a half hours away i'm like yeah i'll bring a projector i'll bring a screen i'll see you there saturday morning i don't care it's a three and a half hour drive i'll, I'll be there it's a free class um it, it was worth it so we need to learn that when somebody says, hey, how was the class, try to state it positively. Oh, the class is pretty good. I learned this, this, and this. Or, hey, I got this one fact out of it I didn't think about. Um, it, it really is going to help you know, do this. Because if you could make a positive spin, you don't know why the person's asking the question. Maybe they got a lot out of it and they have a question for you. And, and they want to ask you. But if you say, oh, that class was stupid, I didn't get anything out of it, they may not ask the question they want to ask because now – they're going to go, oh, I'm not asking him. He's going to think my question's stupid. I'll, I'll agree with what you're saying, but but I think you have to have that attitude before you go into the class. Oh, I oh, agree. Oh, you're spot right. on there. Because you go in and, and know, all right, uh, let's say I went to take a basic electrical class tomorrow. Okay? I'm pretty good with electrical. Do I know everything about electrical? No, but I'm pretty good with electrical. So if I go in thinking... All right, freaking this electrical class is gonna be basic. It's gonna so you you have that bad attitude going in. You're you're not gonna get anything out of it. But if you go in understanding that you know what I probably know ninety percent of what's in this class. Maybe I'm just picking a number, right? There's ten percent in here somewhere. Some little tip I might pick up, or hey, use this particular shunt resistor to measure with a current probe parasitic drain or you know whatever. It doesn't really matter. If I pick one thing up, then, all right, cool, then I got something for my time. But as you said, when I'm walking out of the class, I'm not going, that class sucked. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, it was, I'm like, no, it was it was pretty good because I'm looking at it going, all right, did, did I agree with all the stuff the, the instructor taught? And if I didn't agree, that means I have more homework to do when I go home. Right, go home and, and test the, a theory, or look up, uh, you know, the actual physics law, or something to make sure that either I'm correct or the instructor's correct. Because if the instructor's correct, I got to correct what I'm doing, because I might be wrong. Right, so you just have to have a completely different attitude. But when you go in, I don't care what level you're at. When you go in, go in expecting to learn something, and don't badmouth it <laughs> unless it really deserves it. But you have to realize that. You know, it can't be because the class might be below your skill level. Let's just say it's below your skill level. You can't badmouth it because it might be an awesome class for the skill level one or two steps down. That hopefully, I made that point. I don't yeah, know. right. I mean, you're spot on. Yeah, de- deciding a class is good or bad based on level or advanced. I hate those words. How advanced the topic is or something of that nature. Really, I mean, does the class fit the title? And granted, we've 
we've forced people to name uh title their classes in ways that they shouldn't have to because as a whole we refuse to go to basic classes and then we tried to use fundamental and no no we're on to that now so we don't go to fundamental classes so you forced everybody to go advanced or you know some sort of verbiage that makes it seem like it's worth your time but if it fits the title they cover the topics they say they're going to topic and it's accurate it's our it's immediately a good class you know then you i suppose you could uh critique it based on delivery and stuff like that and that'd be very for the most part pretty personal I, you know i i would think most people don't want uh somebody that kind of just drones away but sometimes they don't want a stand-up comedian either uh that, that it gets a little too goofy and okay you know are, are you gonna teach us something other than really good jokes to tell when we get back to work not that that isn't worthwhile yeah or really long really long stories or political yeah. rants oh, or yeah, yeah. and <laughs> i won't go further with that right no but you're exactly right and you're exactly right about hearing people critique classes where like oh the class sucked is so basic yeah but did it cover the stuff that it said it was going to cover and like you're saying the vast majority of the uh, attendees it's exactly what they needed you should feel better about being able to sit through that class and go all right yeah i, I got a handle on this stuff all right what's next and like matt mentioned after a while going to training gaining experience the training worked you got better you got more knowledgeable it's going to be a little harder to take as much from a class as you used to so maybe you used to go to a class the you know he's he's name dropped steckler enough no uh, you've been to steckler's <laughs> class the first time and it blows your freaking mind you're just holy, he just left the room <laughs> holy crap I, like, I had to go get another class so i could talk about <laughs> this <class>. whole room <laughs> the, my ideas about you know approaching diagnostics engine mechanically have been blown out of the water oh my god oh my god and then you know maybe some equipment purchases and you put it into practice and a couple more classes and now you go to somebody else's engine mechanical with electrical means classes or some whatever the title would be i don't know pressure transducer diagnostics something of that nature and you're just kind of like i bet I've been doing this for years. But it doesn't make the class bad. It means the classes you took and the experience and all that worked. And But now you're going to use that to critique the class? That uh, that doesn't make any sense. Think about what you're saying. Yeah, and I think probably one of my favorite classes I've taken in a long time was actually a class on a subject I knew nothing about. Free plug for Justin Morgan and LMV. Ha <laughs> ha, this is the best freaking class. <laughs> right. It's called BMW 101. Justin said he couldn't call it basic because nobody would come, so he called it 101 because everybody wants to take a 101 college-level course. And it covers stupid stuff like, hey, what's a chassis code? How do you build a transmission, automatic or manual? How do you find stuff in this? What What is Vanos? How does it basically work? You know, what's, what's the different levels of them? Um, um, he goes over some VVT stuff. Uh, it, it, it's like basic, like 
even, hey, here's all the different relays BMW uses and why they're different than normal relays you're used to, right? I mean, like, stupid basic stuff that Justin Morgan just must just want to bang his head against the wall um, when he wrote the class because it's so basic to him. But to somebody like me who works on, like, one BMW a month, I was like, Justin, I love you, man. This was the best class. <laughs> all these stupid numbers now make sense. And Justin's like, well, that's why I wrote it, was for people like you, right? Because... You don't know it, and now that you know what you know and how these part numbers work and how to look it up in air and how to do this and how to do this, now I'll get less support phone calls, hopefully, from people on our support system because we're covering the basics. And if I ever get a chance to take Justin's BMW 101 class again, I'm going to go take it just because I felt like he was talking 100 mile an hour, even though he really wasn't, because there was hardly anything I didn't know in that class, so... It was like yeah, he's so from new. down south. They don't talk that fast. Well, he was like getting over some infection, and I swear, him and my wife were in contest for who could be the quietest of all time. You, you got to go to a class by somebody from Jersey, like Dave Scaler. That's fast. Never even heard of him. Oh, yeah, uh, you're missed out. I hope he comes out of retirement. Yeah, he has a little bit here and there. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe AT in Seattle might be a good reason. I, yeah, I've heard. I thought he. I heard he did a presentation what? out there. What? He used to have. Uh, he was the director of something called MEA, which was a Mechanics Education Mechanics Association. Association, I believe, yeah. is what it was called. Yeah. And state was marijuana education authority. Right yeah, here. I think it was in uh, Jersey area. And um, so he had a tech line, telephone tech support, but then everybody on the tech line had to serve however many days or a week running the mobile van. So they had to go out and do diagnostics <laughs> programming or whatever so that they could stay very much uh, sure. in it. You know, yeah, yeah, their finger definitely on the pulse. And he had a, quite a crew of talent. I mean, really, you start looking down the line of what he had. It was that was a heck of a crew. Uh, but he had a Louis really Ira, there was there were quite a few. Yeah, man. Um, Louis. Um, I can think of Louis, Ira, Phil. Um, I think they're all still in the industry. The, Louis, Big Al, Big Al, Big Al. Oh, yep, Big Al, who's not so big anymore. No, he's little Al. Dude, Four that guy was like story, six. Story. Yeah, he's like what six four, six five, six six. He's still big. Still three hundred. Well, not still, but at the time, he was a big dude. Dude, he was big. Total sweetheart, but yeah. big. Oh, right. Still guy. the same guy. Just uh, I think he met a woman and lost some weight. I think is what happened. But <laughs> usually it goes the other way around, but. Good for him, though. He looked really healthy last time I nah, saw him. Yeah, he's so great. He's a great guy. Um, but then they and not only would they serve on the uh, the the mobile van and also the telephone tech support, but they would also do classes. I believe every night. I think it was at least four, four nights a week. Yeah, at least I, four. Now that you say that, I think it was Monday through Thursdays. Every night, uh, Monday through Thursday. There was a class, and it maybe it was an hour or two. Might be a very specific, you know, Honda, this code, Toyota, this code, GM, 
misfire this engine. It was very specific. And Dave was very down and dirty with his, not only just presentation, but how he went about diagnosing the vehicle. And the best thing about him was he kind of talked a little bit of smack about the advanced way, you know, using a pressure (laughs) transducer or doing this or whatever. But he knew this stuff. He knew it really, really well. But in his presentations, he was bringing it down to, you take your meter, you go here, and if you get this reading, it needs that. Very down and dirty. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I missed the guy. I, I missed those classes. He had an electrical class that was really, really good. Very, a little bit of hands-on, but a lot of uh, visual aids showing circuit path thing, or you know, current flow, stuff like that. Uh, I think it takes him like 45 minutes to set that the stuff up on his bench in front of the right. class for that class. Just to set up the battery and all the t- tools and wiring and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. But no, great guy. Great trainer. That's cool. That's, there's yeah. so many people I, in this industry that I don't even, I've never even heard of. But uh, uh, So, yeah, I, I knew Skid. I knew who, I had gone to a couple of his classes at Vision on uh, the uh, advice of Aaron Keppen. And I'm glad he told me to go up and I went. And that's about, you know, that's about as much as I knew of him. Knew him. And then I ended up in a um, ASC workshop for L1, and I end up sitting just by pure chance next to Scaler. Oh, and I'm very ex- yeah, oh I'm very God. excited to be there. And somebody writes a question. Doesn't matter what about. Doesn't matter who did it. But I think it's a great question. And I open my stupid mouth. <laughs> I'm like, this is a really good question. I like you know I like the distractors, everything, blah blah blah. And Scalar turns to me, he's like, you really like it? Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good question. Huh. Well, I think it's terrible. And he starts rattling off all this stuff, and I'm like, he just destroyed Not He wasn't aimed at me. It wasn't aimed at me by any means, but I just felt destroyed. I, I went to my room that night. Um, and cried. <laughs> almost. It was like, dude, you you gotta, <laughs> you gotta bring your A game rocking. because uh yeah, you are outclassed. Yeah. Well he, he did what testify in front of Congress or something at some point too, yep. didn't he? Yep. Yeah. We have one of the best arguments I've ever seen in my life at uh, on it was at Vision with uh Rusty Savina about some of the stuff with uh right to repair. It was Unbelievable. <laughs> the guy went off like a rocket and you know the the speed of which the words came out of his mouth were unbelievable. You couldn't get a word in edgewise. Of scalers? Yeah. Scalers mouth? Yeah. Yeah. And you got Scalar from Jersey and Rusty is from what, Massachusetts? That's so, yeah. It was great. Luckily they had a coach. It was in that kind of that diagnostic corner. So Harvey Uh-oh. and I sat on the couch watching it. it was... Can't wait to get back to that in-person training and networking. Yep, sitting on couches and chatting in a trade show. Yeah, looking that, forward to it. That's the best part is all the alcohol that's consumed afterwards. Except for you, just watch everybody consume it. <laughs> Listen, I bought some guy. I 
I want to say it was Greg Potter, I think is his name. He's on the ETI board and NASDAQ Skip board. Potter? Uh, I'm pretty sure his first name was Greg. I could go look. His, his business card's still in my wallet because it's that important. Anyway, um, somebody introduced me and it's like, they, they walked over and like, hey, this is Matt. Matt's really good at J2534 programming. Um, he probably has some questions and you could probably answer them about protocols. And I was like, well, how much do you know about protocols? The guy's are like, uh, I've read and probably own every SAE paper there is on them. I'm like, you read the one about KNFD? And he's like, yeah, why? You got some questions? I have lots of questions. I kid you not, we sat there talking for 30 minutes about the protocols and the way it works and other things. And we were at the bar. I don't know what he was drinking, but I know I had an $80 bar tab because I was like, I'll keep buying you drinks if you keep talking. <laughs> so... I've learned. It, I mean, and it was it was the best time of the whole whole event to me. Um, but we started off, and there was like four or five people with us. I think we got 20 minutes into KNFD and how it works and why GM's new programming doesn't work on um, the 21s up, even with Cardac 3 that's KNFD because GM's using a slightly different protocol. And we're going on and on and on about this. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense from my testing of this and that. There was nobody near us when we got done talking i'm like oh i think i am uh officially chased everybody off with nerd talk here um so i guess i'll let you go to bed and i felt bad because it was like 10 o'clock and he did he's like i get up early i got a meeting so yeah those are what makes the events work it any other questions there sean any other ideas i don't have a lot i think you should play us a tune at some point here though <laughs> you know I need Slipknot. Uh, if he no, pulls out really Skillet, I'll be so excited. What's that? Skillet. That's like my favorite band of all time. I don't know who that is. It's a Highly Christian rock suspect. band. They. You got to remember my age too. You give me a hard time about being old. Uh yeah, that's probably Bill Haley. <laughs> okay, how old do you want to go? Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are we? Are you old enough to be my dad? I mean, what's the deal here? I'll be 50 this year. Are you 24? 30? <laughs> if I'm if I'm I'm barely old enough to be your dad, that means I was lucky at a young age. <laughs> if you were tempted to go Google Bill Haley, he led the comments, and you probably recognize the theme song from Happy Days. Oh, is that a, okay? You got me there. Are there comments on this? Are people listening to this live? No. <laughs> <There's so much. laughs> this this thing's going to need lots of editing. <laughs> That's the worst. When I'm doing one of them live classes on Facebook, I'll be talking about something and somebody will write a question. I really need to get like a moderator so I don't have to look at the questions. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, that question's good. And I like my brain stops and trains thoughts, and then I go back. Somebody's like, stop doing that. Look, squirrel. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. <laughs> well, I have decided that I know your Matt's and Sean's internet just sucks because Scott Shotton's camera looks nice and he hasn't blurred out at all. So apparently it's Sean and Matt's internet. It's just terrible in Minnesota. It, yeah, it's just Minnesota in general, I'm sure. Hmm. I haven't noticed anything. Yeah, you guys all yeah, sound little... good. I what was that? 
I haven't completely frozen and lost the whole thing, so that that's a plus for me. <laughs> that was funny. Matt and I were doing it with Sean, and Sean's just like, not there. Matt's like, so, what do you want to talk about now? <laughs> it just became like the Matt, Matt joke, and Sean yeah. Open was the like, floodgates. <laughs> it's always funny when it freezes up, and the person that was in the camera's got some really goofy look on their face, like... <laughs> yep. and it sticks there for like five minutes looks like Poe from Kung Fu Panda when he's getting the acupuncture <laughs> yeah I'm, my kids we've been watching How to Train Your Dragon on the projector those are such good movies I like the first two that, I don't know about that last one it's kind of I don't like him getting that. married and the dragons getting married and having little kids what's wrong with that you're just not a happily ever after kind of guy. I am a realist. <laughs> Unless part four, they get divorced. <laughs> Didn't you just get married? Are you like hinting at something? I mean, what's the deal here? <laughs> Have you learned you're always wrong now? Is that the deal? I've known that for a long time. <laughs> a long time. I, I'm just codependent. I mean, Scott... What Scott mentioned earlier about, like, oh, you know, guys guys in the mechanic field, they don't want, like, time away from their wives. I'm like, have you seen how they talk about them on Facebook? It seems like <laughs> when they get to get away from trainings, the only time they're freaking happy in their marriage. <laughs> well, uh, I've, I've seen that, seen that too, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> I'm codependent, and I needed health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Freaking industry doesn't give us health insurance. We have to get married. <laughs> you can edit this out, right? No. Yeah, what's really sad is, as I actually picture Matt, like going, you know, babe, we've been living together for like ten years. My job really doesn't have health insurance, and I got this bump over here, like right here. Yeah, I'm finally married, mildly so tolerable. Next. <laughs> I, I don't want to chew my arm off in the morning so let's just make it official no coyote ugly going on yeah yeah that's uh that's all i got um and that's a, that's I can... a happy show Okay, one more big thank you to Matt, Matt, and Scott for coming on to episode 100, Talk About Training. Uh, as always, I enjoyed that conversation and learned uh, quite a bit myself uh, just listening to those guys talk. So um, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, thank you to everybody listening. Really appreciate it once again. And let's get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.